Can you think of a success story that features somebody who came to you with real, no real star power, but that you just love the outcome that you've seen? Yeah. So, I mean, one of our biggest success stories is a book called The Bezos Letters. And I, I like telling that story. And I want to say that it's not that they didn't have like any star power before. They actually, the it was kind of like co-authored. They had a lot of knowledge. They just weren't like out there quite yet, like really like out there. And then we did a book marketing campaign for them and got them on Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller lists. I can't remember how many copies they sold in a week. I think it was like seven or 8,000. So they got these accolades, then leveraged them. And now the book's in 25 different languages. People can see, it's like the BezosLetters.com. So people can see all the success. You are listening to Next Up Nation, where leaders and influencers dish their secrets to inform, inspire, and entertain serious podcasters with host Tiffany Youngren. Tyler Wagner has a jaw-dropping history of predictably making it rain for authors. As you position yourself as an authority, the nuggets that he drops in today's episode are pure gold. But before we hear from Tyler, a shout out to all my podcasters. If you are ready to leverage your show to close more sales and build popularity, text PODCAST to 406-206-0760. Now here's the show. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. Hey there, I am Tiffany Youngren, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Next Up Nation, a weekly show for serious podcasters where you can hear leaders and influencers share their successes and challenges so you can level up your game. Thanks so much for listening. Today, I am so excited to welcome Tyler Wagner, who is the founder at AuthorsUnite.com. Tyler, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. Pumped to be here. Oh, good. I know. I'm excited to have you here as well. So how about if you tell us a little bit about Authors Unite, what you do and, and kind of your vision for it? For sure. So I get it might be best to start where I, like how it started. So basically eight years ago, I dropped out of school and because I was no longer like learning in a college setting, what I started to do is reach out to conference coordinators and ask them if I could basically come to their events for free. And these were like $5,000, $10,000 events. And I was 80 grand in debt, you know, drop out of college. So I could not afford that, obviously. And surprisingly, they all, like most, not all, they most said yes. And I reached out to like hundreds of, of these coordinators. And, um, and my kind of pitch was that in exchange for letting me help you for free in some sort of fashion, like getting sponsorships, setting up the event, whatever it might be. And what happened is there was one in particular that changed my entire life and it's called Mastermind Talks. And the founder is Jason Gaynard. And I actually, I, he flew me to Toronto, went to the event and I met Tim Ferriss, uh, some other like very big entrepreneurs and what I noticed is most of them had books and like most of them were best-selling authors. And one of the things I knew I could do was public speaking or that I thought I would be good at at the time. And basically I asked a lot of them like, Hey, like if there was one piece of advice for me to become this, what would it be? And most of them said something along the lines of the root word of authority is author. So like you want to become an author first and then kind of leverage that and then that'll help you get on stages. 
right? So yeah. that, that was kind of the theme. And um, it kept coming up. And then I decided to write a book. I'm from a small town in uh, like an hour north of Philadelphia. And I drop out. My whole town thinks I'm going down a bad path. It's one of those towns where everybody <laughs> kind of knows like what's going on. And, and then I become a best-selling author like six months later. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and people are like, oh, this kid's actually like doing something, I suppose. And then I did do some public speaking, but what took off way quicker was a, it turns out a bunch of people want to become authors and they started reaching out to me. Just people in my inner network started reaching out to me, asking me how I did it. And then I helped a few people for free. They gave me testimonials. And then the rest is history. We do ghostwriting, editing, publishing, book marketing, PR, pretty much everything from start to finish to help an author become successful. I love that. I love that. And I'm excited to dig into that more. Before I do, though, one of the things that you mentioned uh, earlier is that something not a lot of people know about you is that you are an aspiring comedian or you were like you are right now? Uh, I am now. I mean, with everything going on in the world, I think like live comedy is a little bit different. (laughs) (laughs) So have you found an outlet then since you can't get out there at at comedy clubs or anything? I kind of use TikTok a little bit as that outlet just because like there's ever since I was young, there's something about making other people laugh that I just love. Like it just kind of like fills me up when other people are laughing. Do even if it's like making fun of me, like it just as long as whatever I did made you laugh. So I've always um, thought I'd want to be a comedian. The thing with me though is, and I guess it's, it's, it's hard for me to be funny on purpose, Mm. but just in natural like conversation, it'll just like off the cuff. Sometimes it'll just come out and it's like funny. So that's always been my battle with like being a comedian is I'm like, maybe I should just do like improv or something. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was going to say, don't you have to be funny on purpose if you get up and want need to entertain a crowd? It's like, Hey, you really put me on the spot here. I don't know if I can be funny. (laughs) I it's funny because I actually, I took an improv class down in Miami for six months and I did like really well, like it was, it went really well. And then the next step is like writing comedy. They have like stages and I, I haven't taken those yet, but I just find improv to me is natural. And the other part of like sitting and thinking and constructing a joke is like very foreign to me. Gotcha. Like I, so we'll so, see what- <laughs> so I probably shouldn't put you on the spot and ask you, ask to tell, ask you to tell us a joke. No, no, no. I got, <laughs> got nothing. Okay. Okay. That's, that's fine. Hey, I'm curious too. I'm so fascinated by the connection between sales and improv. Are you, would you self-identify as being good at sales particularly? That's interesting. I, I'd say I'm in the middle. Like it's funny because when I first started the business, I tried all these different sales scripts and some would like kind of work and some wouldn't, but I always just found it very uncomfortable and like it didn't align with me, like using a script. And I know any salespeople listening to this are like, you need a script, <laughs> like, but like, I just naturally, I get on the phone with somebody who's interested in our services and I just basically ask them like, where are you now? Where are you trying to get to? And if I know I can help them get there, then I will like, I guess, pitch or, or just offer our services. And then I have like a, a really good though conversation with them. Like we actually mm-hmm. connect 
And then at the end, if they decide to work with us, great. If they don't, that's fine too. I, I, but I don't actually have like a certain method, I, I suppose. It's more just like, let's build a relationship. And if we work together, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Well, I, I know of like a top real estate agent that teaches people how to sell and that's a tool that he uses. He has his team take improv classes every week. And I always thought that was really fascinating, but I think there's a lot too to be said for just trusting yourself in the moment to kind of, and with improv, you always have to say yes, you can't. And then you're setting someone else up for kind of their part. Mm -hmm. So I've always that's just always intrigued me about the connection between the two. So I think it's interesting that, that you like improv and that you do what you do. I think there is probably no coincidence that you're good at both. No, not at all. I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. That's awesome. Well, and so with your, your improv being good at that and enjoying that, ha- has that played a part at all in the podcast that you have? Cause you do have a podcast yeah. and, and that's called uh, the authors unite show. Authors Unite show. So, so how do you get to be funny on that? I mean, how does that roll? <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, typically it's it's probably kind of similar to this interview. It's they're typically like forty five minutes long and open conversation. So, like I I actually and you know this is funny, but before I really only know like what I'm going to introduce them as. I don't typically know much more about the person before I interview them. Because in my mindset, it's kind of like I know Joe Rogan does do some research before. I know he does, but I I almost want to unravel it naturally, just like mm. I'm somebody in the audience almost. And I think that's like kind of more fun in a sense. And my plan actually is in the near future, I'm gonna extend it to like two or three hour shows because I I just think there's something that really it starts to unravel in different directions. Cause the first like 15 minutes is kind of like getting the groove. And then after that, I feel like things can really just go and all, you know, Joe Rogan, he'll start out and he'll be talking about like the person's book. And then like an hour later, somehow they're talking about like an LSD trip or something. (laughs) And it's like, how did we get here? Yeah. That's what I like. I just like learning really like all aspects of the person. And I feel you kind of need, you need a few hours to really get that. I think. Yeah. Well, and I think too, there's something to be said for people getting to kind of be in on you beginning to understand somebody, because that's really where they're at a lot of times is they're going, huh, here's somebody new. And it's like, you're able to unpack that at the same place that they are as well is what it yeah, sounds like. It's like a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, so can you tell, can you just tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and what, what, yeah. who your audience is, what you want to get out of it, what they can expect to get out of it? So it's mostly like nonfiction authors and aspiring nonfiction authors, I would say, or, or more the audience and like entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, let's say people like that. And the people I interview are actually the same, but typically they've already had success in those fields. And I, I've started to go more towards just interviewing authors, but it started more just as a fun project. And then it actually started to grow my business. So then I started to take it a little more seriously. And then once I started to see like long form podcasting, like become successful, like Joe Rogan getting that Spotify deal. Right. I'll just come back to Joe Rogan, I guess. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's what, it's just what I love to do. And I think from our last conversation, I think like, that's what you love to do. I Mm -hmm. think are part of it. 
so that's why I'm kind of open to answer your question. I'm kind of open to interviewing anybody almost, but due to the fact that it's called the Authors Unite show, I, I try to just interview authors because it kind of doesn't make sense otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the whole unite word in the middle of it. It does seem like it should be a band of authors getting together and talking to each other. So I could understand that for sure. Well, I thought of that actually. What was that? Like panels. Like like imagine like three hours and there was like six of us on a Zoom call or something. Like, I don't know. That might be, maybe you talk over each other. I never tried it. but Well, you you (laughs) definitely would, but still, you know, you can, I think you, that many minds on the same call and providing feedback and input. I I think that'd be really interesting, actually. (laughs) That's awesome. And so one of the things that you had mentioned before is that you do consider your podcast uh, profitable. You mentioned a minute ago that it helped build your business. Can you share a little bit more about the benefits that you've enjoyed by having the, having your podcast? Yeah. So So ultimately what happened starting from the beginning is my business, I built it to a point where it was starting to like kind of work without me to, to an extent. So I had a lot of, I had a good amount of free time and I knew I would enjoy a podcast and I found anchor.fm and that made it really easy. All, All the other tools I had tried to do before, maybe it's just the way my mind works. I found them to be complex. And then anchor was just like, you just upload and press submit. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> like yeah. I can do a podcast. And then what happened is I, it was maybe my 20th or 30th interview. I interviewed someone and then afterward they reached back out and said, Hey, I just checked out your website. Like I have a book coming out. I'm interested in your services. And they became a client. And then I was like, okay, so there's like so many benefits to this. Like not only do I enjoy doing it like in the moment, Afterward, the person inevitably is going to probably at least do a little research on me before and maybe after. So they might become a client. And then lastly, they are, they share it with their audience too. Right. So it's like, I love doing it. They might become a client and I get in front of their audience. It's like, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do more of these. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) More of that, please. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, So what is your, like, what is your, do you know how big your audience is? I, in Anchor, there is, I haven't been back there in a while. There, what's that called? Statistics or logistics? It's it's in the back somewhere. I think we're almost at a million downloads, but but I've also interviewed almost 2000 people. So, oh wow. Uh, I mean, so what is that? A few hundred downloads per episode, I think. Right. And how long have you been podcasting? Almost two years. So two years. And you said you did 2000 episodes? Yeah. The, so, so yeah, I should explain that because people might get <laughs> I'm like, I, I got some math to do here, but that's yeah, a lot. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. The, the first thousand podcasts I did were actually very short. So what I would do is uh, from the four hour work week, I learned about like batching so every Monday, I would actually do like 15 interviews, 15, 20, like every 15 minutes. And they were like very quick. And I had the same exact questions. And then after my, I did like a thousand of those. And then I woke up one morning and realized that I just wasn't enjoying it anymore because there was no conversation. And every interview in the back of my mind, I was like thinking about the next one. Cause I, cause if I'm late to one, then my whole day was going to get messed up. Right. So then the, the last, 
I can't remember. I think we're at 1,700, so almost to that, like 1,700. And the, so the last 700 or so, they have been like 30 to 60 minutes. And I enjoy them much more. Mm-hmm. And you actually connect with the person because 15 minutes is like, you know, it's, it's just too quick. It's really quick. It's really yeah. quick. So are, is it weekly then or how often do you publish? Now, every Monday, I'll do like five to seven, and then okay. they'll get released like once per day. Although in the summer, uh, where I currently am, I spend with my family. So I take a lot of Mondays off of doing it. So probably this summer, I've done every other Monday. And once I'm back in Miami, I'll do like every Monday like religiously. <laughs> right, right. So are you like, are you caught up with publishing the, all those that you've recorded? I mean, are you make them on Monday, publish them that week or where are you at in your publishing schedule? Um, we're actually all caught up. Like when I was doing the 20, you know, in a day, like that was a little crazy, but you know, five to seven, basically what happens is after I do them in zoom, then my virtual assistant just logs in and they'll just download them and then create titles and descriptions and then upload to Anchor and then it automatically distributes. So all I actually do is just the actual interview. So with all those listeners that you have, do you, I mean, do you solely attribute that to the volume of the episodes that you've created or do you think there's something else that has helped it um, be heard, downloaded so many times? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, so it's, it's interesting when you look at it, I I mean, it's, it's definitely a lot of overall downloads per episode. It's like, I think it's a decent number, you know, it's like, I think it's average for per episode, but for in two years, I guess that's pretty good growth. Maybe I'm being a little hard on myself. I don't know. (laughs) Like I would like to see in like the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands per episode. So we'll see when we get there, but I would say, I just, I've interviewed a lot of people that have big audiences. So them sharing with their audience has probably definitely added to my following. And then the volume for sure is just crazy when you think about it. So I think if somebody, if you want to kind of jumpstart, maybe start with a volume strategy, it's just, I don't find it enjoyable. So you can only get so far in that and then you're like, yo, I'm not asking that question again. <laughs> well, and there are, there are a lot of tactics where you can leverage it too. So even without doing a thousand, you know, you yeah. could do, you know, 10, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there are ways you could leverage the ones oh, that yeah, you do have. Up. Like you could do little uh, pieces, right. And like create different types of material. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I definitely was like pretty volume focused after I started to see the business growth mm-hmm. and then it just became, I don't know what you call it. It just wasn't worth it to me. I was like, sure, I can interview 20 people a week, but I, I hate Monday now. So I don't <laughs> want to hate Mondays anymore. No, no, that is, that is not good. That is not good. And one thing too that's so nice about podcasts is that they live on. It's like you post one, especially when you have a guest that has a following of their own. That's what I've noticed is, I mean, I stopped publishing Breakaway Agent months ago and I still get reports. They're down every single week they're still there I don't I don't promote it I completely ignore it but they live on and so you still have that exposure and you still have that and so when you do have the volume you could see how that compounds and really creates a good statistic which I mean 
I don't know about you, but ultimately that helps get you better guests. It helps build your authority. It, you know, if there are other marketing things that you want to do, you can leverage the download, you know, you can leverage that audience that is downloading all your podcasts. So um, there is a huge advantage to having a following like that. Yeah, I agree. And the thing that starts to happen, like I, I personally don't even look for guests anymore because there's a lot of agencies that, you know, that people will pay an agency to pitch them to shows. So it kind of happened. And I I told you about this last time after I had Gary V on my show, (laughs) then it became like, I I believe this was kind of the spark of it all is then all these agencies, I I imagine kind of started like pitching to their clients, like, Hey, like I can get you on the same show Gary V was on in a (laughs) sense. So like now I, there's probably like 15 agencies that like pitch me like every week, like multiple. So I actually have to like say no to people now because I just, I don't do 20 a week anymore. (laughs) Right. Right. So it it can get to that point, which is actually, I actually like it. So then I don't have to look. It's just like, yo, these are like high qualified people. Like, you know, I'll just pick which ones I want to interview. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, and I appreciate you being here. Hey, do you mind, do you mind sharing the Gary Vee story? Yeah, for sure. So, and this, you know, all back to relationships is I interviewed, uh, interviewed this woman and afterwards she just asked me, is there any particular person that you would want to have on your show? Like what would like make your day essentially? And I just was like, Gary V, you know, just threw it out there and she's like, Oh, cool. And then we talked a couple more minutes and then ended it. And this was back when I was doing short interviews, like 15 minutes. So then she tweeted at him and was like, Hey, it would make Tyler's day and like tag me. If you came on his show, it only takes like five minutes. I think she said, I think she said like five and he got back to her immediately and was just like, fine. And tagged his assistant. (laughs) And then she sent me a screenshot and she was like, yo, follow up with his assistant like right now. And then I did. And then I was going to do a 15 minute over zoom. And then my one buddy was like, yo, you should ask if you can fly out to his office. I know it's only 15 minutes, but you should like see if you can fly out. It'll be worth it. And so I asked and he was like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, you you can come to the office if you want. (laughs) So, you know, it just happened by interviewing somebody and then she tweeted at him. That's what happened. I I love that story so much because I've seen people frozen in fear over just asking, I mean, authors... And and you're in this, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you go to an author and you're like, hey, I really want to interview you. I have so much admiration for you. I love your topic. Would you please be on my show? My sense, just from having had guests on my show that are really hard to get, I feel like that would be more of an easy (laughs) approach. Like of all the people you're going to approach, I mean, that would be easy. And I feel like I just want to empower anyone who's listening not only the person in your market that or who you're um, serving, you know, if you ask them and you want to feature them, they're probably going to be really thrilled that you did it. But don't stop there. Like whoever, you know, go for the, you know, go for it. I <laughs> but agree. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like it's I because I, I don't. I think it's the way people like their value system in a sense. So like. I don't value really anybody above or below me. Like, I just think we're all, you know, kind of just trying to do the best we can, whether our actions are representing that or not. 
so either way, just to put out, like I've reached out to Tony Robbins, like I, and I, he hasn't gotten back to me yet, but yeah, I've, yet like, being the keyword. Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's the I'll, mindset. I'll, yeah. I'll anybody. And, and you're right to say that, like, even if they're like huge and, and let's just say they don't have time and they might say no, it's still kind of like, it's still nice to be asked. So mm-hmm. even Tony Robbins, which is like the pinnacle of all personal development, like, <laughs> I'm sure it still feels good for him. It's probably his assistant or something that goes through his Instagram. And then he's, I, I bet he says yes uh, to some. So yeah. we'll never know if you don't ask. So I'll ask anybody. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I'll have to say too, after our, our last conversation, so Tyler and I spoke, I don't know, a month or so ago, and we talked about a lot of these things. But right after we talked, I went and posted this huge post on social media about you know how excited I am about this show and all these great people I get to talk to like you. I posted my dream list. Like these are the people that you know I I envision will be on my show and I will be approaching them and you know and I have gotten to interview a lot of really, you know, great people who've accomplished a lot and I I just think it just cannot be understated how, I mean, leaders especially, and again, I'd love your feedback on this, but leaders, I feel like they're lonely anyway. So a lot of my friends who are leaders, you know, they have a lot that kind of protects them from all the noise. But then if you can get through that and and have them really hear that you get, like you are empathetic to where they're at and that you really appreciate what they're trying to do, they're like, anybody else who would love to hear that only they get beat up more than we do. (laughs) So, you know, so having that really sincere appreciation for what they're doing, I think goes a long way. Do you find that? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, entrepreneurs in general are, it it can get lonely and it's not that whole thing. I mean, it is in a sense, but it's not like, Oh, it's lonely at the top. Not, it's not like that. It's more like, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs work from home, you Mm -hmm. know? So when, when you work from home, there's definitely perks to that. Like it's, it's kind of nice to be in your boxers and a t-shirt and work from home. Like that's cool. But (laughs) you know, you really, there's nothing that can, you can take in exchange for like real life interaction. Like even though the zoom call, like we're connecting now, it's not the same as if we were in person. So I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, typically they start out as a solopreneur and it, it can definitely be lonely. So yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. So I, I also in looking, I, and I encourage everyone to go to your website and check out what you what you do and how many authors you help. I think it's just, it's really, really great. Can you think of a success story that features somebody who came to you with real, no real star power, but that you just love the outcome that you've seen? Yes. I mean, one of our biggest success stories is a book called the Bezos letters. And I, I like telling that story. And I want to say that it's not that they didn't have like any star power before. They actually, the it was kind of like co-authored. They had a lot of knowledge. They just weren't like out there quite yet, like really like out there. And then we did a book marketing campaign for them and got them on Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller list. I can't remember how many copies they sold in a week. I think it was like seven or 8,000, something like that. And... And then from there, they had a publisher who was really good at like selling the foreign rights for books. So they got these accolades, then leveraged them. And now the book's in like 25 different languages. Oh, and wow. it was like on a billboard in like Tokyo. Like, 
crazy. Like it just went from like, you know, really good content to like a book on the Wall Street Journal to a billboard in Tokyo. Oh gosh. <laughs> and, um, and I guess lastly, they they they've gotten like hundred, like I think over a hundred media hits. People can see it's like the BezosLetters.com, so people can see all the success it's had on there. And and yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of cool to like watch the whole success unfold. And kind of the foundation was our book launch. I don't mm-hmm. take credit for all of it, but it was just the foundation of it. Well, I think it's great, and I think it, it's really amazing that we live at a time in a time that people can just show up and have something to share that could help other people or that is interesting in some way and go from obscure to suddenly everybody knows what they have to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, what's really fun about it. And two, it's like, I just remember my first book and like how nerve wracking it was because I had a little help, but I kind of did it on my own. And just being a part of that journey over and over and over again with people, it's kind of fun. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and one, you know, one thing I love, I'm, I'm so glad you're here because number one, you have a successful podcast. You have something that's helped build your business. You consider it profitable, but also what you shared about being an author and the root word of authority being author. And a lot of our listeners, that's either they have a book they're trying to get a book deal for the first time or they're trying to get their 15th book deal. But it is something I think that is really relevant. So with that in mind, if you look at the authors that you've helped and then the new authors kind of coming on, if there were two things that you're like, if I could just make every author do this, you know, if you, if I gave you a magic wand and you just could make them do things, Mm. uh, what would those two things be to help them become more more well-known? That's a good question. I'd say so. First thing is, even if you even if your book's already out there, it's not too late. You you do want to have some sort of like big launch event, like a springboard, and you know you could either hire somebody like us or like it's all relationships, in my opinion. So what I've done to grow my business and what people can do with their business or books is to find others with complimentary services and just reach out to them and build relationships with them. And then once you have enough, you can orchestrate a launch where they all post on their socials and they all send to their email list during the same week. And then that huge spike can get you on these major bestseller lists potentially. Mm. And, and that is kind of the foundation. Like if you look at really successful books, like, most of them have hit like USA Today, Wall Street, or New York Times. And not, not to say anything bad, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble is great. It's just not, it's not the same as hitting one of these like major lists. So I would say if possible, you know, do that first because it really is the best foundation that, to have success with your book. And then secondly, what's coming to mind is like book reviews. Like I think, you know, everybody wants book reviews, but they don't realize how hard it is to get them. And I think you have to be willing to like give your book away for free and like follow up with people and really go hard on it because it's more like a perception thing. Like imagine all the like huge people out there, their books have thousands of reviews. So, you know, if somebody goes to your book page on Amazon, they don't know anything about you and they just somehow they end up there and they see a thousand plus reviews, like that's credibility. Like that's yeah. chances of them buying that are way higher 
than if your book has like three reviews. So social proof we're always looking for. Yeah, that's for that's for anything, right? Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, a big launch event and then just focus on reviews. It takes time, but it, it's it pays off in the end. I love that. And both of those things, I'm listening to you. I'm like, that's exactly what you have to do for podcasting to <laughs> like to have yeah, right. because it's like when you have that big launch, then you're able to go to certain directories and request that you be added as a featured you know, featured show or an an up and coming or things like that. So it's just a special opportunity to really push it out there. So that's really interesting. Yeah. It's literally the same with a podcast. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So what originally got you into podcasting? I feel like you were kind of surprised when you started getting actual clients out of it. So what, what did you originally think you were going to get out of it? Really? It was just like a hobby like that. I just had free time and I started to, you know, I, so currently I'm in Pennsylvania, but I live down in Miami and it's, I have, I I built a good network down there now, but when I first moved down there, I didn't really have a bunch of friends down there. So, you know, I have this business that's like, I'm working maybe 10 hours a week on and it's doing really well. And I'm like, you know, I get into some trouble with all that free time. Let's say that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, you know, I know that I love interacting with people. It's like what it's maybe my favorite thing to actually do. So I was like, I, I know I'll love a podcast. And I, and I was just like, the tech behind it is just so annoying to me. <laughs> and so that I, I actually had thought about doing it years ago. It was, it was really the tech stuff that was just annoying. And I could have just hired somebody, but I don't know why I just did. And then it was anchor. And I was just like, this is so easy now. Like <laughs> nothing's stopping me. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, the first time I did it, I had like 20 in a day. And the first time I actually enjoyed it at first it was just like it was so scripted like Mm. the questions I was asking that after a thousand of them I started to you know just go a little nutty I guess and I was like I can't do it anymore (laughs) that is so funny so to clarify because it's funny because you you said you wanted to do it because it was fun but then you pushed out so much content which doesn't sound like fun. And so were you trying to meet that many people? I mean, was that the goal of having that kind of volume was just getting those people into your life that you didn't want to find in other ways in Miami? (laughs) Actually, maybe, you know, we'd have to dive deep into the, into the subconscious, I suppose, (laughs) really know the answer. Um, But I just knew, so my whole business is built on relationships I have a lot of like friends. I was always that guy in like middle school, high school that just was friends with everybody. So it's just been my whole life that way, I guess. And and then once my business started to kind of work on autopilot a little bit, I was like, what like what do I really love doing? And I was like, I love connecting with people. And it mm-hmm. also definitely benefits every part of my life. Right. So the podcast came to be and then it just, I, I steered it in the direction of business too far, I think. And then I, I, I decided to dial it back so that I could actually really enjoy it. Okay. You know, because I, I don't regret it because if I never did it, maybe I would have never interviewed Gary Vee, right? right. I would have never, maybe I never would have interviewed her if it, if I didn't do 20 a day, (laughs) you you can meet a lot of people interviewing 20 people a week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you sure dove in pretty hard and fast there. So I think that's really cool. I think that's, 
I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think it's great. I think it, you know, yeah. it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of discipline sure. and a lot of stamina because, you know, getting through all that, like you said, you're asking the same question. So I think it's really, really admirable that you did it. So what haven't I asked that maybe I should have? Is there anything else that you would like to share? This, I've been asked this question before. <laughs> so all, all my, I am always like off the cuff. Like I don't really prepare for it. I just like, so I don't know. I'm happy to share though anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I mean, unless you have something, I just want to make sure that we weren't going in one direction and you're like, you yeah. know, I really wanted to talk more about this other thing, but I really love what you've shared. I think that there have been a lot of really good takeaways, especially I, when I have one thing I can say just yeah. to go on the, the podcast thing to kind of wrap that part up, I suppose is like, I just believe everything in business. Don't be worried about breaking things. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what I did with, with it is I, in, in the beginning, I just, you know, I interviewed a few people and then I started to like really like it. And then I went to 20 a day pretty quickly. It was literally probably like the next week. And then I got my first client and then I just went all in, like Mm -hmm. I just went all in. And then, and then I kind of broke it because I didn't enjoy it anymore. And then that allowed me to dial back. And now I'm in a position that I really like. So sometimes you have to, it's the same thing with me for college. Like I went to college, my major was accounting, absolutely hated it. But it, it reflected. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, it's not me. It was all is crazy when you think back. But it, it reflect. It was. It was. It was a good part of my journey though, because it reflected to me like, oh, I need to do whatever is opposite of that, hmm. and that is like engaging with people. Because as yeah. an accountant, you you don't talk to people too often. Not so much. Not yeah, so, so much. So the mess ups are necessary, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, and quite honestly, and I, and I say this to people a lot, you know, I don't, I, I really, really recommend that people not put a huge amount of money or resources into the first few episodes, like make a few because you don't know what you don't know yet. Like even, you know, for, for me, you know, I help people with systems for podcasting and even with all the years of what I've learned, I mean, I feel like we have we have the, like the day of script, for example, something I feel like we've got that dialed in. Like there, there are so many times we've screwed it up that I have so many things on my list that someone brand new doesn't have to have Alexa interrupt their interview because that's on our checklist. But, but no matter what, no matter how prepared you are, how much you've listened to other people, you're going to find new ways to screw it up. (laughs) So, but you learn so much in the first few interviews and it really helps you develop where your voice is, where your show is going, what you like, you know, lean into the things that you're like, yeah, this is, you know, this is really fun. This is really valuable. And then always keeping the, you know, who is your, and who's listening and are they getting value and how can you continue to optimize that? I just think there's so much to be learned. But like you said, if you're not willing to kind of lay it out there and screw up, you're not going to learn anything quite honestly. And yeah. I love, again, I love how you did it. Cause you just like, you just did it hard and dirty. It's like, yeah. you're going to do that many, you know, yeah. you're going to know really, there's going to be hard set grooves in that, that you're like, yep, this is going to have to get smoothed out. You know, oh, yeah. and I, broke like everything. That. That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. I, I just, I just have so much fondness for anyone willing to, you know, it, it's vulnerable because you're doing it and recording it. 
So, you know, you, you, there is an element of vulnerability. However, it's, uh, the contrast still, right? So once it's out there, it's moving quickly. There's a new one right behind. I mean, look at your volume. I mean, they'd really have to dig through to find one of those mistakes, you know? So you just get a lot of room to do what you need to do. And I mean, I've listened to Joe Rogan and I promise that there are a lot of people who could literally have similar interviews that he has, you know, and be interesting. And, you know, there's just, you just got to do it. You just got to be willing to lay it out there and then learn from it. hundred percent. And and I think, you know, one of the best ways to be interesting is to be interested, you know? (laughs) That is so true. That's what Joe Rogan really is, is he's just so curious that you just learn all these different things in three hours that you had no idea were going to like happen. Yeah. So well, I'm going to admit, like I listen to him and I'm just, I don't get it. Like I'm, I, I think he's really smart and you know, he knows how to interview people and he's got good equipment and a great deal. But I, what really captured me was how many times I said, I can't believe he asked that. I can't believe he asked that, you know, every once in a while he beats, you know, like I listened to the Elon Musk interview and I just kept saying like, I can't believe he just asked him that good job, you know? So he is a good person to study when it comes to listening for the obvious questions and like, who cares if you ask something that might be weird to ask? (laughs) Like, that's what everybody wants to know. Everyone's thinking it. So, so just ask it, but yeah, yeah. yeah so he, dive he's, as deep as you can. If I was right. Elon, I would ask some wild questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, it was something for sure. I have other opinions, but I, I, okay, I'm just going to say it. I, I thought, okay, this is so terrible. Everybody just forgive me, but I just thought Elon was kind of boring, quite honestly. I felt like Joe really kept that whole thing <laughs> interesting. But other than that, Elon just kind of goes on and you're just going, oh my gosh, you know, I thought this would be so exciting because his life's so exciting, but you're just kind of yeah. like. No, well, I mean, Elon's a little bit, he's a little monotone when he talks like, because I feel like there's just so much going on up there. When you mm-hmm. ask him a question, he's like, that's what you're hearing the computer hum (laughs) yeah yeah it's like but i don't remember the first there's actually two of them so there's a second one and his last one i found very interesting but yeah it's not very much like you know ups and downs and like Mm -hmm. emotion it's more just like you know very like his last one he was talking about one of his companies like they're gonna stick chips in like people's heads and they're gonna (laughs) be able to take out their conscious and put it in a you know, crazy stuff. And, and like, they're like, he's like, yeah, we're like a couple years away. I was like, You're a couple years away from that. I didn't know that was like possible. <laughs> and kind of, kind of saying it like he's just going to go get milk right after this or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, That's super yeah. interesting. Super cool. Well, okay. Before I, I have one more question, but before I ask it, where can people find you? authorsunite.com is the best way if you're interested in you know any book related stuff and then I guess Instagram just to like connect it's Tyler B. Wagner is my Instagram love it love it and you can go to our website and read the show notes we'll have links to get a hold of Tyler as well so okay last question I personally think this is one of the most important questions that I ask I love good food what is your favorite restaurant and what do you order when you go there Oh man. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Okay. You live in, you go to some pretty good, amazing, I should say, food cities. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this. 
Yeah, so in Miami, so I'll say this, I can't eat it anymore because I'm gluten-free, but it is my favorite thing. There's a restaurant in Miami called Caico de Pepe. Okay. They they basically take your pasta, uh, homemade pasta, homemade um, sauce, and then they dump it in a cheese wheel. Like a like it's like a big cheese wheel, and then they mix it in there in front of you. Oh gosh! They put it on your, and it is like it's something <laughs> else, it's really good. So, but yeah, in Miami because of all the different cultures, there's a lot of different good restaurants there. Okay, so now that you're gluten free, where do you eat? What do you get? It's so limited now. It's actually depressing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be one place. This it's about flipping rocks, right? Like you just got to go to enough and go. Okay, yeah. this is. Pura Vida, I'd say. Pura okay. Vida is a place, and it's like a health place. And it's, um, I get the salmon mango bowl. So it's like, it's like quinoa, salmon, mango, avocado, and then they're like homemade like sauce. And you mix all that up, and it's just, uh, it's very good and gluten free. Far, <laughs> far cry from the old yeah. in a cheese wheel, but sounds amazing. It changes everything when you go to restaurants. Oh my gosh. Well, (laughs) I appreciate that. And actually we generally eat gluten-free as well. We, when we eat out, we'll eat, like we go off script, you know, we'll, it's really inspiration because I, I modify the recipes so that it can be gluten-free. We've been gluten-free for a long time because my husband has some pretty severe reactions to gluten and dairy. Yeah. 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 And it's not like he dies. Like he doesn't like have go into anaphylactic shock, but he, if he accumulates in his knees, like he can't walk and stuff like that. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so we always say like, if it's good enough to, for the pain, we'll eat it. Right. (laughs) And, but, but something like that pasta would probably kill him. Like, I don't think he can make it through, but we'll, we'll eat you know, good stuff, like really yeah. nice cheese or something or, you know. And actually, gluten-free pizza, if you get it at the right place, like I've tried some places and they just do it like it's not good. But there are some places that they make it in a way that you almost, like it's pretty close to you not being able to tell the difference. Like, so I, I'm just saying like you can still, there's some good gluten-free options out there. Definitely. I would have to agree for sure. So, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. I really appreciate you coming. Uh, Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And you really gave us some really good takeaways, especially uh, when it comes to like getting reviews and doing those launches. I think that that's an amazing idea, both if you're an author or if you're an author and podcaster, or if you're just a podcaster, those are are really important points. And also I loved your benefits of podcasting. Just again, I'm totally on board with you. Like, I feel like there are so many things that come out of one piece of content, so many benefits, and then so many other pieces of content as well, frankly, but I just really appreciate it. So, and thank you so much for every, to everyone for listening. Thank you to our outstanding team. And remember the best really is yet to come. Ready, go.